I'm Ruby. And I'm Elijah. And welcome to Rough Edges. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Rough Edges. Here today with a special guest, uh, Evans, and he is the leading pastor at Eastern Church. Yes. So, Evans, to kick it off, would you mind just like telling us about yourself? Who mm-hmm. are you and mm-hmm. the deeds? So, um, my name's uh, Evans. You'll never find another person in your life with that first name. <laughs> uh, many surnames, Evans, but never a first name. So, that's one to remember me by. Um, just a little bit biography of me. Um, I uh, grew up in a Christian household. Um, parents came from, dad came from a Hindu background, mum from a Muslim background, both from the, from uh, Trinidad and Tobago in the West Indies. Uh, they both became saved in their early teens. And so we were raised in that Christian environment to, to know Jesus and, and stuff. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of me just to kick off with. Mm. And if you wanted to know more or kind of, that's good. That yeah, is good, good, yeah. And about the topic today, we are going to discuss the fatherless generation. So that's mm. a deep topic, mm. and we've got some good stuff in store. Um, a lot of hope for you guys as well. Um, so if we just kick it off, um, so why is it important to have a father figure in your life? Um, I think it brings structure lot of structure and I was thinking about this earlier on it's a bit like so I used to work in cars so when I left school I was working for Ford for a while and uh, that's my one big passion my love is cars but you used to find these cars every so often like really nice and that you know you can come like a Ferrari or something like that but you come to repair them and you realize that they look nice on the outside and stuff but once you start taking off the panels the the chassis the that's like a skeleton underneath the car it's crumpled and it's mashed because this thing's been in an accident before, but it's managed to be hidden through good filler work and good paint work and all the rest of it. And it's, it's almost like that with, if you don't have that good pairing of a, the, the qualities of a mother and a father at the same time, you know, you could nicely paint up all the cracks and, and make it look all nice, but it's not what it should be, what it ought to be kind of thing. And you, and you can get by like that for a while, but, you know, with a car, once you turn a corner and you're, you're speeding or something like that, you know, it will soon show for what it is, you know, this thing's just going to flip or, or, you know, we used to call it a cut and shut where it was, yeah, it was just a dodgy car underneath. Mm. So, um, yes, you need that structure, but having a dad in a family brings structure and, and actually, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, in both Ephesians and Hebrews, it talks about um, the responsibility of a dad, actually, specifically bringing discipline and training and instruction. So, uh, and, and that's not to say that a mother can't do that, but actually, God's put that responsibility on a man to uh, bring that within a family role and, and raise his kids with... Uh, yeah with those things really so yeah Mm, yeah that is good what advice would you give to current dads i think hang in there really because i think culture tells us that um there's always a back door there is an easy way out you know the amount of uh, divorces that we see 
And, uh, you know, when, when I was growing up, there were hardly any divorces at all. That was, I just had no, no, you know, everyone had two, two parents, what you call the nuclear family, the mum and dad and that. Mm. But um, nowadays, it's completely flipped on its head and it's the, the opposite to that, isn't it? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I would say hang in there, hold tight, you know, just go against what culture, you know, you have to, it, it takes hard work and, and real kind of, balls really but you've got to kind of stick in there and just yeah so yeah 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 there's a statistic from single parents on holiday .co.uk um there are 2.2.9 million lone parent families in the UK in 2019 and that number has not changed much since 2008 and then we searched up there is like 19 point something million families in the whole of UK so that's quite that is a big big statistic um about now um and also like just just so you know Evans is a dad this is why we got him on here um he's a good dad to some good children as well um and yeah (laughs) um so and this is an interesting question we just thought how would you raise your kids like differently to the world standards Mm -hmm. yeah um I, I think it's having a biblical perspective about how you raise them and culture the culture around you is gonna say do this do that uh, I, I think what so for one example would be um smacking actually so when we were uh, my kids are in their teens now but you know culture around us would say that smacking is a no-no and um and we had to go on that journey really of you know, both our parents uh, smacked us as kids and th- they were both godly in the way that they did it and stuff. And so, but we almost did that the same because they did it and because it was the Christian way and because it says in the Bible, um, don't spare the rod to spoil the child. And so we kind of did that. And then we kind of um, felt a bit strange about doing it because this is what cult, you know, culture was yeah. saying completely separate yeah. and different to that. And people were talking about the naughty step and all this other kind of, you know, yeah. different Apparently ways. now you can't say no or something like that. And I was right. like, yeah, like that's yeah. the thing, you can't say no to your kid. And I was like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, and there's an expectation that almost like the school has to manage your children and raise them. Mm. But no, we as parents do, you know, that's our godly, right and our responsibility that we have to raise our own kids in the right instruction and discipline and so on and so we had to come almost 360 degrees in um realizing okay this is what culture in the world does what's right what's wrong about it and this is what the bible says about discipline and we're talking about two thousand plus years of of tried and tested godly wisdom that stood the test of time, you know, mm. as so we had to come back to that and, you know, chat to people that we trusted and that had raised their own kids in the right way mm. and see how they did it in a loving way that honoured God, that mm. wasn't abusive and yeah. it kind of was caring and, and, and saw that. And so we had to kind of almost discover this, this right way of doing mm. things and, and apart from what culture says, mm. you know, so can, yeah. I, can I ask, um, mm. this, this isn't a scripted question, but because that happened during your time, did you feel um, maybe with the technology that we have now in terms of social media, mm-hmm. um, did you um, did you kind of 
were you wary that maybe your kids had access to maybe contact people if for example yeah, yeah. do you know and i even remember back in the day so when we were growing up there was a dad in the church i grew up in a like a western new pentecostal church and it was known that this uh dad he'd smacked his um his daughter for, i'm not sure what, what their circumstances was mm. and before we knew it, social services were involved and we always had that in the back of our mind and yeah. And even me and my wife raising our own kids, you, you kind of thought this could happen. You know, they just need to mention something at school mm-hmm. and it's taken the wrong way, misconstrued, mm-hmm. and then suddenly social services knocking at your door. So I think even before social media, it was kind yeah. of it was right. always there. But but there was always a sense that actually we need to be obedient to God in what we're doing. And if we've got that that kind of that conviction, you know, then we've got a hold tight on and just, you know see it through mm. Kind of mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah definitely um here's another question what is your hope for your kids or the future generation or your kids generation um this that's a hard one if yeah. i kind of think of it in terms of so i grew up on quite a, a rough council estate and it was proper rough it was just um you know anything that was going when you know kind of in, in terms of drugs prostitution credit cards you know and the lot and so there was my parents raising us four boys there was four of us boys yeah. in the middle of that to know jesus and uh at the same time we're mates with all of these guys mm-hmm. that we've grown up since primary school with and they'd seen us they'd known us we're in the middle of all what's going on and having to make decisions and stuff like that and the thing that that actually changed me i'd say is that i got filled with the holy spirit when i was around about 13 14 i think 13 it was and that for me was when jesus suddenly came alive and, and that doesn't mean that i wasn't still grappling with all of the same issues that my mates were mm-hmm. you know and they're, they're, literally all of them were taking drugs and stuff like that and and but I, I guess I had a sense of um, of a, a conscience and things like that. And it was a godly conscience. It wasn't just the fact. Because I knew mate, mates of mine that had grown up in the Pentecostal church and stuff like that, you know, raised in a Christian environment and that, and had fallen right away from God and, uh, and stuff like that. But it was, I think looking back on it, it was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the flip for me, which kept me on a straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Me, me and my brothers, actually, all of us. And uh, we come out of it now, and we just, you know, it's almost like how on earth did we manage to make that? Mm-hmm. You know, all of our mates pretty much kind of, you know, they've done time, they're in prison or whatever. Some things have happened since then, mm-hmm. or they're dead. And mm-hmm. the four of us managed to make it out of there, you know, so yeah. it's gone all the way. So good. Mm. It's so good. So, um, in the Caribbean culture, mm. and we've been. Um, yeah, ethnic minorities. There's like a stigma around, particularly black dads not being around. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? And as someone of an ethnic minority, or mm. what does what, what does that mean to you? I think it. The, it's not one straight answer. I mean, so I, I said to you guys earlier on, my my own parents. They came f- uh, from kind of in some ways messed up kind of parent in so dad came from what you could describe as a nuclear family mum and dad but, but 
you know, his own mum, she was married by 14, had the first kid at 16, had 10 kids by 26. Oh, my gosh. My mum's mum, this and this is like a story out of, out of the Old Testament. I can't remember the names now. Is it Laban or Lot? But he basically, he gets, um, I think it's Lot, he gets married, uh, betrothed to... The, uh, to um, is it Rachel and Leah? Uh, Rachel, but then he wakes up after uh, uh, the wedding night to discover it's the wrong sister. This happened to my nan, literally. Oh so she got God. married at fourteen, and they married her off to the wrong son on purpose because he already had a kid elsewhere. And this is Indian oh culture, God. but in the West Indies kind of thing. And so there's, there's, it's a shame culture. It's all of that. So you just kind of, you've got to kind of live it out, you know. And so, then, you know, he was a dodgy guy in that way. He already had a kid and stuff, but she was married to him, stuck with him at the age of 14 as well. So she oh also gosh. got married at the age of 14 and ended up having uh, seven kids of her own. And then I was saying, you know, my mum later on found out when she was 16 it's other kid in the village was exactly the same age as her, mm. happened to be her stepbrother, which she never knew about. Mm. And so, you know, uh, and then her stepdad, uh, they all have these grand names in, in, in Trinidad and the West Indies. His name was Chancellor. And he was, a, he was a drunk. And he would come home every night, you know, blazing and just smash all the food and stuff. And they were really poor, you know, kind of poor, to the point mum used to walk barefoot to school and stuff like that and wait on the street corner for her, her dad to come and buy her shoes. He wouldn't come, her real dad, he wouldn't turn up and things like that. You know, and so I think some of it has to do with the age they got married and then that same, this is like a self-perpetuating kind of cycle that they go through. But also, I mean, and, and this is my own theory and uh, I hold my hands up, you know, I mean, be completely wrong on this. You know, but I think certainly for um, for black dads, I think prior to the transatlantic slave trade, what what you had was um, people taken from West Africa, so like Ghana, Nigeria, uh, Mali, countries like that, where they had um, where polygamy was was um, part of the normal culture. And so, if you take that whole bunch of people where that's they're used to that kind of culture and actually it works well and and you know it's part of their society uh, women accept it men accept it and the kids are cared for in that village kind of mentality and stuff like that then they're used to that suddenly being ported across to the west indies and elsewhere and trying to bring that same culture with them but then it's fractured because it's kind of it doesn't work in the same way that it did because they're slaves and because you know and then trying to and so you you might end up sleeping with loads of women and, and things like that and then you don't have marriage and then you know all of that and then again it becomes this cycle of broken families that not the same care mm. and love and respect that, mm. that they once would have had back you know in, Af in, in Africa in West Africa and so on mm. and then that just goes even further then that you possibly get West Indians that move to England, to US, everywhere. And then that just carries on and even more fractured because then you're in a society where there really isn't the family kind of element to it. Mm -hmm. It's all based on benefits and what have you, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of 
and, and the expectation of care within that. Mm. I also think the media plays a role mm-hmm. with how they portray black fathers, black men, mm-hmm. um, because usually when you, when many people associate what with what a black man is, it's usually criminality, it's yeah. usually something negative, or yeah. it's usually, you know, they're lazy or yeah, yeah. there's not really much positive um, connotations around black men at all. Mm. So I feel like the media plays a massive role in how yeah, that's portrayed. Big time. Um, because when I think about it growing up, there was not really many of my black friends who had that around. You know, mm-hmm. it's a common theme, it's been a common theme for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad wasn't around growing up, but um, likewise with your mum, I'm sure she done the best she could, you mm. know, and mm. like, my mum was like my rock, and usually you find that in a Caribbean family, yeah, and the mum being the heads of the family, yeah, definitely, just almost tradition, yeah, which it shouldn't be, but, but yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's certainly, in, yeah, in Jamaica and a lot of the West Indian islands, it's become the norm that the mum is, she's the, the breadwinner, she's mm. the one who holds everything together, mm. and it's kind of flipped on its head in that, yeah, the dad, and so mm. in some ways the the dad, the original dad, could in some ways maybe not feel mm. that they have a place in that if that becomes the normal culture. Mm. Mm. And as you're saying, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, mm. and and it does, you, you know, it really mm. does hurt you. It does hurt you. So if you keep hearing from the media, mm. these are the portrayal of black men. Mm. It it's, it starts really yeah. infecting you in that way. Mm. And that's the way you start thinking about yeah. yourself and yeah. and yeah. It's, and and also. The job market yeah. is a major issue as well mm-hmm. because I know a lot of black men they find it hard to get jobs within the market or usually what happens within the Caribbean culture the women will go to university and do much better right. compared to the men mm-hmm. and the men will always be like subordinate mm-hmm. and so they're unable to provide where usually it's the woman who is the, the, the provider in a sense mm-hmm. so um, that culture has kind of just been the same all yeah. the way um yeah i think so i think a lot of racism has had a lot to do with it and the stereotype of who black men are and also um culture mm-hmm. to i think that yeah. they're the three mm-hmm. things that kind of need to change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. um how does being married help with being a dad i think it's that complementary kind of um working together and recognizing that actually you both have very unique and different skills to each other and both are valid and needed in order to make this you know coming back to the car analogy you know it's or or a house whatever you want to say but it's like you know having the underpinnings and the over and it's all and so this you know i can think of times when you know my wife esther she's as a, as a woman, very caring, very loving and stuff like that. And I'm probably more harsh and, you know, just get on with it and, you know, you know, stop crying over spilt milk and just, you know, or, or uh, you know, climb this tree or whatever it is, or when they're 10 years old, you know, allowing them to go to the shop. And she's probably a bit more protective and stuff like that. And that's not to say that I'm not protective or not caring and stuff like that, but... Um, I can think of many times when I've probably come with probably a more harsher, stronger kind of attitude towards things that the, the kids are doing and stuff like that. And she's helped me to see 
how uh, and why they're behaving like this and stuff like that. And I've had to kind of step back and vice versa, actually, you know. So, um, yeah, we complement each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and what qualities make a good dad? Because one thing we should say is that while I grew up with a dad and I'm in a nuclear family mm-hmm. and my dad's a really good dad, um, but he's not perfect. He's really not perfect. <laughs> Sorry, dad, but um, <laughs> no, he knows it. Um, and there's some situations where it's better when the dad's not around. Um, so, yeah, what are qualities that make a good dad? I think probably, well... I don't know if you would say this is just a dad thing, probably not, but I would, the things that come to mind are, are honesty. So uh, when you just say that your, your dad isn't perfect, uh, I'd be the same, uh, but I think it's recognising that you're not perfect and admitting that. And that was one of the um, biggest things with my own dad, actually, that, um, you know, with all of his own harsh West Indian, typical, you know, you want lash on your tears, kind of little upbringing, that, you know, he... he he, he was man enough to sit us down when we were in our early teens uh, as boys and apologise for things that he'd said or done or certain, yeah, which he acknowledged were part of his own upbringing, which wasn't mm. the best. Mm. And for me, the, you know, I really respect my dad mm. for that. And, you know, he's come to me even since that time and a and even into adulthood and apologise for mm. things he has. And um, and so that's helped me to, to realise, you know, even when I'm trying to discipline my kids and stuff like that, and they might pull up something about me, you know. You know yeah, yeah. And, and, but, yeah, just to apologise and know that when I've said or done something that I shouldn't have, then, mm. um, you know, I'm not beyond kind of... So I think, yeah, that's, that's one quality and, um, yeah... Mm, that's really good. Elijah, I wonder if you'd be yeah. happy to share a bit of your yeah. bit of your story. So my so me and my mum have always been a unit together. Mm. Um and my dad left my dad wasn't around when I was young. Mm. Um he wasn't the best of role models, just like as you said mm. with your father. Mm. Um but then like I got in contact with my dad recently. I thought to myself, you know, I was hopeful maybe he would change, maybe he would be a different person now, but um, he wasn't. And I think sometimes you can get to an age where if your family, if your mum and dad are not together, you want to know what actually happened, you want to know the truth to some things. And so I got to an age where I was like, you know what, it's time for me to discover the real truth. Because as a, as a child, you want to know, as a, as a man, actually, you want to have that father connection with, someone especially when it's missed out as well mm-hmm. um but it when you're at a certain age you can you realize why as to why some people um shouldn't be around and it was best that they wasn't around growing up so um yeah met my father recently and we we didn't really have the best of connections really mm-hmm. as i as i wanted to but um like I think as an adult now, I can understand why, like my mum didn't really want him around, and why he shouldn't have really been around actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned a lot from actually meeting him because it kind of allowed me to see like his behaviour patterns to how I would be a father when I grow up. Mm-hmm. So it was beneficial in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. So although I didn't get to have 
you know, the connection that I wanted with my dad, mm. because maybe in my head, I may, may have thought he would, would have changed or mm. whatever. Mm. Um, I actually saw like a beneficial side to it and, and learned lessons from his behavior. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of my story. Mm. And what I would say for like a piece of advice is to fathers, I'm not a father myself, mm. but like I'd say like, you know, do your best for your child and like present, and present yourself in the best way possible um mm. because i'd say like you're a role model essentially as, as a man mm. first of all secondly as a father mm. so you need to actually like be a good figure for your mm. child you know so maybe when they get to a certain age mm. they may not look back and think oh man da, 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 mm. or whatever so yeah just just be a good be a good human first yeah, of all. Yeah. Not be a good human before, mm. you, before mm. anything. Mm. Um, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of it is about relationship as well, because, and that was one of the things I learned early on, that when they were young, is you need to, if you want a relationship with them when they're in their teens, you need to start early on. And so I, and I kind of learned that from reading and and kind of seeing others like um, that I respected and stuff like that. And so what I kind of mm. ended up doing is. Like for, probably from the age of when they were three or something like that, just taking them out for like a like a daddy date or mm. a boys day out mm. or something like that, and just spending some quality time with them that they're not kind of because you know they're all fighting for time with each other, you know, in a house for the kids, and so having that quality time like a whole day out where you could just go and do something fun, and actually in like in the early years there's not much conversation it's more mm. kind of you know they want hot chocolate or they want to eat this and that mm. and it's kind of you know mm. just having fun and stuff but as the years go on you start being able to have really good quality conversations with them mm. and it and they now tell me stuff in their teens which yeah. i know i would have never told my dad mm. and they ask me questions yeah. and things like that mm. and the relationship is really you know kind of enhanced through that can I say well, um, like it's quite similar with me and my mum. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. My mum basically my mum and my dad could play two right. roles. Um yeah. but what I'd say if you're missing a father, like maybe find a father figure. Yes. Find yeah. someone who might resemble traits that you admire or yeah, like someone in the church who yeah. you can look up to. And that's what I did, mm. um to kinda fill that. Yeah, or if, or if it's not one person, it might be a multitude mm. of different men in the church, mm. like yourself, Tom, etc. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good advice for Christians and non-Christians. I think if you haven't got a dad and you don't have a faith or whatever, mm. just find someone that you really respect or you've mm. seen as a good example. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To put as yeah a role model in your life. Um. And because your your mum raised you pretty much, there's like mm-hmm. um. So there's this verse, I think it's Psalm 68, 5, 6. So I'll just read it out. Um, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. In in God, his holy dwellings, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Um, basically, just to sum it up, if you're feeling a bit depressed after this conversation or whatever, is that God is your dad, and whether you choose it or not, he is. Um, a defender of women, um, widows, sorry. Um, widows, whether that's like you're a single mum by choice or not by choice, um, 
there's something that God really gives grace to single mums and mums that are doing it all on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, there's verse, it's Romans 5.20. Um, it says, um, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Basically just saying the more you need like grace and the more you need wisdom, the more God gives to you. Um, just an encouragement to mums that, do you know what I mean? You're not alone and God can 100% um, yeah, just build build your family alongside you, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, um, and going on about God the Father, there's like a couple of points that so God the Father sounds like a real weird term and maybe you heard that when you went to like school um, on Christmas services or whatever. Um, but there, if you actually think about God, uh, he's a father to the fatherless. If you actually think about that, that's actually mad. Like, so there's one thing, if you're a dad, so you, you love your kids, yeah? So God is the greatest version of any dad. He's the most perfect being. So he love he has the most perfect love for you. Um, like there's a the something in Matthew seven where it says, um, if a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? A stone, or if he asks for fish, will he give him a snake? Um, he says, but how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? So another thing is that you can ask your dad anything. Your perfect dad in heaven, you can ask him anything, um, and because he's your dad, you have inheritance. Um, there's a verse again, Galatians 4, it says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So you get what God, God is, can give you um, all these like different things, like gifts. He can bless you. You just have to ask him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Another thing is that God's a big man. So he's like a perfect human. And in the Old Testament, people weren't allowed to come into contact with God because it was too holy. It was too holy. But Jesus came so that he made God approachable. So you are allowed to be in the holy place um, and be with your dad in the most holiest of holies, which is amazing as well. Um, and my final point is that um, if God is a good dad, he will discipline. If he loves his kids, he'll discipline. Um, so whether he like brings up a Bible verse that you're like, oh, that really like touched me there. I shouldn't have done that. Or like he will, he will he will speak to you whether it's through the verse or if he like audibly or through your thoughts in your head. Yeah. He, he's, if he's a good dad, he's going to discipline you. Mm. Basically saying, if you ain't got a dad, God is the best dad. <laughs> pretty much. like, yeah, um, Yeah. So thank you, Evans. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much. And, um, um, appreciate like, that. Yeah. Perspective on things. It's really um, good. Yeah. And if anyone wants to chat to us, just DM me on Elijah. Yeah. Or we can get you in contact with Evans even. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay.